Our next storyteller. Next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes from artist and musician Jackie Hay. Jackie's story was recorded live on November 21st, 2018 at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. The theme of the show was Fight or Flight. Ooh, you have props. All right. So I've got a dog. He's eight years old. He's a German short-haired pointer mix, and his name is Samir. He's about 65 pounds, and he loves people, and people love him back. And I've got just a little wallet-sized photo of him. (laughs) This is him, yes. This this is Samir. Yes. And um, so I know everyone thinks that their dog is the shit, but I think that even our friends and family would tell you that Samir is pretty cool. He's got a lot of fans. Uh, We get a lot of comments about how handsome he is, and I always say thanks, like as if I gave birth to him or something. He's got these long gangly legs and long webbed toes, and he does this thing where he jumps up to greet you and hooks his paws around your waist and just holds you there. He's got a bit of a humping problem, so he's a real hit at the dog park, um, especially when we have to lift him up and carry him to the car with his red rocket out and flopping from side to side. Uh, He roams our backyard, walking in slow motion, one paw lifted, tensing his whole body when he sees a squirrel, and he waits until the perfect moment, and then nothing. He's a hunting dog who hasn't caught in anything. He's got allergies, so he licks his itchy paws to the point where the sound is just obscene, Um, and he's had to go to the vet twice for eating copious amounts of rice. Um, I once had to pay someone back 50 bucks for a gourmet pot roast that he ate off the counter, but he's not above eating things like boxes of peppermint tea or incense. Um, He's the most peculiar goofy dog, and I feel like he and I are alike in this impossible way that I'll try to explain, Um, but aside from the humping problem, hopefully. So I was an extremely anxious kid, and I grew up to be an anxious adult. Um, I've had feelings of dread for as long as I can remember. When I was four years old, I told my mom I was stressed out, and I had this thing with my eyes where I couldn't relax them. So my eyebrows were constantly arched, and my eyelids were sucked back into the sockets, like hiding from my bulging eyes. And when I tried to stand still, I would just vibrate like a video game character. Um, Those days, the only thing that would soothe me was being around animals, uh, but especially dogs. Uh, I knew virtually every dog breed and defining characteristic and personality trait, and I was the type of kid that would crouch down to pet a dog like two inches from its face after the owner told me their dog was unfriendly. I was like, it's all right, I've got a gift. Um, So to me, um, growing up to be like the epitome of a happy, healthy, functioning adult meant having a dog of my own one day. Um, So when I went to college, I was kind of this pseudo-punk with like a pixie haircut and piercings and a really bad attitude. And I was dating my high school sweetheart, Jeff, who he's here. Um, And everything was going really well, but I couldn't get away from the idea of having my own dog. So one day I suggested going to Foothills Animal Shelter just to look. And we're walking through the aisles and we catch sight of this like lanky, athletic, black and white spotted beauty, and like right away I know it's a German short-haired pointer or a GSP if you're a cool kid in the dog community. Um, And uh, I remembered this one from the website. He was voted best smile and loves squeaky toys. And um, 
as we got closer, it only further confirmed he would be mine. He had these little wide open eyes and his little dog eyebrows were arched and there was a destroyed squeaky toy in the corner of his kennel and he wagged his tail so hard that his whole body gyrated. And Jeff said, absolutely not. And I said, we'll take a look at this one. And um, <clears throat> they told us that he was there once before as a puppy a couple of years earlier um, and that he recently ran away from home but his owners weren't interested in having him back. <laughs> so maybe that should have been a sign to us um, because right off the bat, it was clear that Samir was going to be a problem. He was unbearably anxious and energetic. He couldn't walk on a leash, so he did this thing where he kind of galloped in place. Uh, he destroyed blankets, shoes, ate our dinner off the counter, ate the crotch out of like 15 pairs of underwear. And he had diarrhea a couple of times and tried to hide it by jumping up onto the couch and sitting with like perfect posture in the corner. And I was like so charmed and delighted until a couple of hours later, there'd be a deathly smell coming from an unknown location. And then sure enough, what looked to be curried soup was soaking the inside of the couch. Uh, so as you can imagine, it was very stressful and I was like that's it he's got to go back we can't keep him um, but that didn't happen <laughs> so after about a month or so things became slightly less nightmarish until we discovered Samir's signature trait which is running away so one day I had the brilliant idea of letting him off leash and he kind of trotted in circles for a moment with his nose to the ground like a classic hunting dog and I stood there with my arms wide and my knees bent like a goalie. And just in an instant, he stopped and he lifted his head and his little eyes widened and like my heart dropped to my stomach and he was just gone. Um, so we've had Samir now for six years. He's run away about 25 times. <laughs> to name a few, he once ran away chasing a full grown um, adult deer. Uh, he actually caught up to the buck and bit it in the leg. Um, he's run away uh, when an elderly woman desperately wanted to pet Samir, like she actually came out of her house specifically to pet Samir, and uh, he took advantage of the opportunity and wiggled out of his collar, and I was like, fuck! And she looked like she was gonna cry and just like sunk back into her house. He once ran away shortly after I tore my meniscus. Um, he got out the back gate, and I dropped my crutches and hobbled after his ass at like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, the same thing about Samir was that he always made his way home, uh, but what I was worried about were the things that would get in his way. So Samir's most epic runaway happened just this past June. Um, the months leading up to it weren't so great for me. I was having the most debilitating anxiety of my life. Uh, I cried all the time. I couldn't eat. I had constant waves of nausea, and worst of all, I couldn't sleep. I would lie awake at night with heart palpitations and my eyes glued open like when I was a kid. I lost about 25 pounds, and I thought I was dying. Um, as for Samir, he wouldn't sleep either, and we would just stay awake together. Um, I started going back to therapy and got in a strict routine of meditation, and I slowly started to feel a little bit better, and I was getting consecutive hours of sleep at night. Um, and then one day, I was kind of out and about, and it was the first day that really felt like summer, and I felt like my old self again. Um, and we got a call from our good friend and roommate, Andy, who's also here. <laughs> And he said, Samir got out, um, which isn't unusual or shocking. And Andy had been along with us on the chase a couple of times before, which is basically a rite of passage and being our friend. Um, but this time it felt different. And he paused and he said, um, I chased Samir to Dartmouth and 
the car didn't see him coming and didn't stop in time. Um, and Samir rolled underneath the car and into the street, but he got up and he kept running and I can't find him. And pretty much immediately my heart started to race and tears were in my eyes and I couldn't help but think we were so lucky the last 24 times he'd run away, but um, what if this was it? Like, what if this was his last life? Um, and our friends and family joined the search and I kind of half-heartedly told them like, he always comes back. Um, and two hours went by and nobody caught sight of him. Um, and immediately my mind went to like images of him lying in an alleyway or under a deck knowing that animals go somewhere to hide when they're gonna die. Um, and, and then we got a call from our good friend Sydney, who she's the producer here. <laughs> um, and on a whim, they went into the neighborhood auto body shop and the guys working were like, yeah, he, he wandered in here. He was really fucked up. We called animal control. And they took him to the vet. So we finally found which vet he was at. Um, we all shuttle over there. Um, my mom's car is in the parking lot, so she beat us there. And we storm in, and the woman at the front desk knows exactly who we are, and she says, your mom's down there. And we bound down the hall, and we get to the room, and my mom turns around, and she's got like the most bizarre look on her face that I'd ever seen. And she turns to the vet tech in the room with her, and she's like, do you want to tell them or should I? Because she's from the South. And, um, and the vet proceeds to tell us that when Samir arrived, he was missing his collar. So they called the phone number on his microchip. And the phone number on his microchip was for his former owners. And they were here with him. And they planned on taking him home. <laughs> um, they said he was stolen from their yard four years ago. So you know, immediately, like, tears are streaming down my face, and Jeff looks away, and he starts crying, and I was so mad. I felt like 11 from Stranger Things, and, like, in my mind, people were flying across the room, and tables were flipping, and, like, the very foundation of the animal hospital was crumbling away into oblivion, and then I just came to my senses, and I was like, that's impossible. We adopted Samir six years ago from Foothills Animal Shelter, and they told us his owners didn't want him anymore. And I sprinted out of the room, and I got Foothills Animal Shelter on the line, and I turned into this like high-powered attorney boss bitch over the phone. <laughs> and I was like, demanding paperwork and documentation, proving that we're Samir's rightful owners. Um, and then when I ended the call, Jeff looked at me and he was like, that was awesome. And I, I was like, I know. Um, so it took about 10 minutes for Samir's former owners to agree to let us take him home with us. Um, we didn't get to see them. They made sure that we didn't cross paths. I was too angry, I guess. <laughs> I'm very intimidating. Um, so, but they did let it slip that it was another couple. Um, and when we finally saw Samir, his face was bashed and swollen, and he had deep cuts and road rash all over his body. And when he saw us, he tried to wag his tail as much as he could. Uh, and the vet bill was very impressive. Um, so, you know, naturally I talked to my therapist about all of this, and I honestly feel like this was all kind of a wake-up call, um, and that my anxiety was culminating to something like this. Uh, it was so real and so tangible that it kind of, it was worthy of my anxiety and kind of snapped me out of this spiral that I was going down. Um, and we do think about Samir's former owners often, and I've got lots of theories about them, most of which are unfavorable. Um, but maybe they were a young couple, and one of them loved Samir, and one of them liked Samir but was skeptical. 
and Samir ran away a couple times. He destroyed the house. It all became so overwhelming, it was ruining their relationship. One of them wanted so desperately to keep him, and the other started to love Samir too. So it broke their hearts when they decided it'd be at best to give him away. So when they got the call six years later that he was in the animal hospital and he'd been hit by a car, all of their memories about him came rushing back, and they thought, maybe. Like, maybe we can keep him this time, because maybe he needs a second chance, and who doesn't need a second chance? So when I think about them like that, it makes me sad. But um, in the end, I know that Samir belongs with us. Um, he's our soulmate. He makes us better. I hope we make him better. Um, and just reflecting on the fact that I've always felt so vulnerable and weak to the ways of the world and kind of pushed around, that I came out on the other side of this just a little bit stronger. I think Samir and I are alike. Um, but, you know, he obviously embodies the flight aspect, but um, I think that I've got a little bit of fight in me, maybe. <laughs> so thank you. Keep it going for Jackie. Hey, everybody. Narrators was created by Andrew Orvidal and is produced by me, Ron Doyle, Sidney Crane, and Aaron Rollman, with help from Robert Rutherford, Karen Wachtel, Scott Carney, and Jesse Witten. Sidney edited and mixed this episode. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. I would also like to thank Jobless, who provided the outro music you're listening to right now. As always, a huge shout out to fans just like you who attend our live monthly shows, which take place every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. For more information about our storytellers or the narrators, visit narrators.org and find, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.